In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes so that we might experience the fulfillment of the law. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you have heard it said that you should get good, ra- good grades, students, but I say to you that you must get a four point five GPA with all of that extra credit, and that on top of that you must do at least three extracurricular activities. Otherwise you will not get a job. You have heard it said that you should get a little healthier, but I say to you that you must have six pack abs and a thigh gap. Otherwise, no one will like looking at you. You have heard it said that you should get a good job and that you should work hard at that job. But I tell you that unless you get a job that pays at least 100000 right out of college and that unless you arrive at 6 a.m. every morning and work for 80 hours a week, you are going to be wrecking our economy. You have heard it said that you should vote for the right person. But I say to you that unless you vote for the person who is simultaneously loved and hated by both parties, that you are destroying our nation. You have heard a lot of things said in our culture that are hard to follow. And so, when we hear Jesus speaking here in the Sermon on the Mount, it maybe doesn't sound that different from many of the different voices that we hear out in the world that are calling us to things that seem like they're impossible for us to actually walk into. There's a lot of things in our cultural narrative that are things that it seems like maybe one person in the world can do, and instead of adulating them for doing what they're able to do, we turn that on ourselves and we say, well, I guess I have to be like that person. I guess I have to dunk like LeBron. I guess I have to be an entrepreneur like Bill Gates. I guess I have to be like this person, that person. I have to exhibit these different qualities if I'm going to be a good person. And so when we hear Jesus talk about this sort of upping the ante of the law, well, it doesn't sound so strange doesn't sound so strange at all because we know what that's like. We know what it's like for people to say that no matter how good you are, well, you're just not good enough. That there is some lack in you. And 
The only thing that's maybe surprising here is that the person who is telling you that you are lacking something is Jesus. That Jesus, everybody's best friend, everybody's buddy, is saying, you kind of suck. You're really not as good as what you think you are. You are lacking in righteousness. And that's a little shocking for us. It's a little shocking for us to hear that. Because we assume that, hey Jesus, we're... You came, you came so that you could forgive the world of its sins. And so aren't we good? Well, if we read the text, we know that we're not. If we read the text, we know that we have committed sins. That we have done things wrong. That our righteousness is lacking and imperfect. That we have made mistakes. And moreover than mistakes, we've made glaring omissions out of the righteousness that we are called to. And those glaring omissions maybe sometimes are even more personally damning for us as we walk through the things that we know that we should do and aren't. And so as we hear Jesus walk through this part of the Sermon on the Mount, he does an excellent job of bringing the law to you, that category, that theological category of stuff that is in Scripture that does one of three things. It either keeps you from doing bad stuff, or it tells you, hey, that thing that you just did, it's bad, or it tells you, stay away from the bad stuff and do the good stuff instead. Those are the three things that the law is supposed to do. Three things that you probably felt at some level as I was reading Jesus' words. You probably felt, oh yeah, that's a big temptation for me. I should stay away from that one. Some of you also felt, that's a big temptation for me. I did that this morning. Some of the rest of you went... Oh, that's not a temptation for me right now, but I should strive hard against doing that. But it's all law. It's all work. It's all all missing righteousness. And the reason that we feel like it's work is because it's missing from us. We don't have it. And I think that's maybe why Jesus does this. So if, if you consider Jesus' audience, Jesus' audience is made up of a whole bunch of people who know who the most holy people are. The most holy people are the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And those people, well, those people, they say, we've got this covered. In fact, Jesus even runs into a few people in the Gospels who said, I've got that covered. I've done that. I've done that my whole life. I've kept all ten of the commandments. And if you look at the ten commandments, just on the level of them being the ten commandments, they're probably followable. 
How many of you have murdered someone this past month? Good. That was potentially awkward. So you can keep at least that one. That third commandment, you know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. You can go ahead and just go, check. I'm here in the rain. Other people didn't show up because they thought they would melt. I'm here. (laughs) And so there's all of those things that that people go, okay, there's these Pharisees and these Sadducees and these holy people. They keep all the Ten Commandments. In fact, even the Pharisees had bumped this up to 613 different commandments that they had found throughout the Torah. Now, legit, some of those are about eating the skin of grapes. You should look it up. That one's fairly easy to handle. You can be like, I can peel a grape (laughs) during this certain time of the year is where that comes from. But they, they said, I've got 613. That 10, that's for Bush League followers of God. I'm the 613. And we know those people, don't we? We know the 613 people. We know the people that are like, yeah, I got this made. And maybe it's not in terms of their, you know, kind of religious righteousness, but they'll, they'll tell you about how good they are at work. They'll tell you about how perfect their marriage is. They'll tell you about how good this is or that is or how beautiful their children are and you just hate them. (laughs) And you look at their righteousness and you go, I don't want to hang around with people like that. Because people like that, their righteousness is all wrapped up in themselves. And when your righteousness gets wrapped up in yourself, you become a terrible person. And so what Jesus does is he actually gives us a gift here. He gives us this gift of saying, your righteousness, after I speak this sermon to you, after I tell you the sermon on the mount thing, your righteousness, it cannot be wrapped up in you anymore. You cannot be a terrible person and listen to the sermon on the mount. The sermon on the mount challenges your righteousness being wrapped up in yourself to a point where you can no longer, unless you are a delusional sociopath, say, I've got this covered. I'm a good person. And you're not. But that's actually kind of good news. Because the person who is telling you that you're not perfect, the person who is telling you that you're not good, the person who is telling you about all of the righteousness that you lack is the very person who can give you the righteousness that you need. And he does that through dying on the cross and raising from a tomb so that he can give you his perfect righteousness that is completely fulfilled. There's not a dot. There's not an iota that's missing from it. There's this great commercial that's on TV right now. It's for one of those annoying uh, Amazon Alexa devices. 
but it, the commercial is great. Maybe you've seen it. It's a zombie. He's walking around, you know, a uh, long day of zombieing. Um, and and he, he gets in into his house, into his apartment, and he he gets down on his easy chair. And, he, you know, he, he's getting ready to just kind of take a zombie nap or whatever it is that zombies do in their off time. And uh, he, he goes and he goes to turn on the TV and he reaches for the remote. And at the moment that he reaches for the remote, his arm falls off. And, and he kind of sighs and he goes, oh. but then he remembers he has an Amazon Alexa and he says, Alexa, turn on the TV and TV turns on, he says, Alexa, watch MasterChef, MasterChef comes on, which I don't know if it was like a brains episode of MasterChef, he's a zombie, yeah, it's, uh, but anyway, only Blake got that. Um, and then his ear falls off. And he says, oh, Amazon, turn it louder. Or Alexa, turn it louder. And, and it does. In some ways, that's us. That we know the person who can provide the solution to all of our missing righteousness. And it's not Alexa. It's not Siri either, you Apple weirdos. And it's not the Apple speaker. Exactly. But the person who provides you with the righteousness that you are missing doesn't come from inside of you, but comes from eternity. Comes from eternity and comes and is born as a baby child so that he might teach us what righteousness truly is during his earthly ministry. And then after teaching us what righteousness actually is and living a completely righteous and perfect life, he goes to the cross so that he can provide us with the righteousness that is missing from us. So that now as baptized children of that God who came in to provide you with what is missing, you can follow his words, not saying, I better do this or I'll get punished. I better do this or I'll be a horrible person. I better do this or people will think less of me. But rather you can do all of the things that are there because you don't feel like you have to do them perfectly anymore. But rather you can do them out of the love that you have for the God who came and did all of this for you. So may you live a life this week that recognizes where your righteousness comes from. And may you follow that righteousness down. Amen.